How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Truth is, <laughs> I am Iron Man. Rose? Well, we're going, we don't need Rose. When people ask you what happened here, tell them the North remembers. And here we go. Welcome to Not Another Movie Pod. I'm Zach Williamson with Ross Cudsforth and Luke Goosens. And today we're dropping a little mini pod on the whole David Benioff and D.B. Weiss drama that happened this week with their Austin film panel. And then what, what went wrong with Star Wars? Okay, so the panel, it started off, honestly, there was a lot of humor in this panel. So I can see why a lot of what they said didn't really translate great onto Twitter. You know what I mean? It's hard to kind of convey that kind of stuff. Yeah, convey the tone of it. Yeah, so they were they were joking around a lot, and they were downplaying a lot of what they did too. It seemed I was gonna say it definitely seemed like they try to control the mood with humor. Yeah, people did not go in on them enough. That was one thing that stuck out to me. No, I think it's because the mood was like the air was really lighthearted. Yeah, no one went after him for really issues in season eight, but a lot of the stuff that they were saying at the beginning was interesting. Like they went through. That whole part about Jace Momoa, that was all true. They really found him off a fan site, hadn't heard of him. They made some joke about how he was in a Baywatch show, didn't even know that was a thing. Brought him in, he did a bunch of Hawaiian chants, or what? what is he, Samoan chants? He did some shit like that. American. He was born in Hawaii, and his dad is Native Hawaiian, and then his mom is German, Irish, Native American descent. He pretty much sold himself right there, got the part easily. So that part was true. And then it kind of went into... They were asked, how did they even get all this? And this is all stuff that was already known, that they met with George R. R. Martin. George R. R. Martin asked them, who's Jon Snow's mom? And they figured that out. So it's not like he just gave it to them for no reason. Even George R. R. Martin says they really sold it and said, hey, we know that you didn't write this book to be on television, but we think we can do it in the way that you want it to be presented. They sold it really well to him. And they had a conversation that went from lunch all the way into dinner. And George R. R. Martin was in on it. So that part, I didn't really like people went off on that part on Twitter. That seemed pretty normal to me, at least. What was the initial thing they said? On what? Twitter? Yeah. Or no, D&D. Oh, the thing that went viral is that they said, we have no idea why he gave him, why he gave us his story. You know what I mean? That he's been working on for 30 years. I mean, and yeah. that was just them kind of joking around with it. I was going to say, it sounds like them joking. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But still, it's like, dude, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because they didn't in the end. Talking about it like that, it just makes it sound like, dude, fuck. I know. With the backlash and everything, it's just... Yeah, they're really trying to... I don't know. But that's why I can see why people got so pissed about that, if you didn't know this already. Because this story came out a couple years ago, and then you think about it in a couple years ago at the time, the story, this show is at its peak. Everyone's loving it. Everyone's fucking with D&D. And they're saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It worked out. Looking back on it now, though. And then, yeah, so the next, they were just talking about their pilot and how the pilot famously was fucking terrible at first, and they reshot it completely, which is crazy, because... HBO threw another five and six million at it. And they said it was because, so the show was getting so many pre-sales. People, so many people were subscribing to HBO because the show was coming. So there was already real hype for the show. All that makes sense. But I get the whole argument that people don't get a second chance a lot of times. And they got really lucky. They said it was 50-50 if they were going to get another chance with it. But there was that whole argument that, you know, a lot of people don't get that chance. People of color don't get that kind of chance. Women don't get that chance. I, I think there's a legit argument for that. What? If there's real hype for a show... It's all about money. It's not about if they're a fucking woman or black or fucking whatever. That's what I'm saying, though. I was saying for this situation, it was, well, people were already pre-ordering this and there was real hype for it. And HBO was going to take this risk on it because 
they understand that if it really works out, it can pay off. Why do people always bring it to that? God, it's so annoying. Yeah, but at that point, they're not even sure how much money it's going to really bring in. And with the failed pilot, I think he's saying that they're taking a risk on somebody because they don't know how they're going to go. They don't know if this is for sure going to be a huge moneymaker because they already failed on the pilot. So that is kind of a risk. If they're getting pre-sales, they know at least our first season is going to make. They have projections. And if they're getting really good pre-sales and they're like, oh, shit, they know what a good amount of pre-sales is. What I was saying is if the first season is bad, then it's not going to translate to multiple seasons. Yeah, but they still cash out on the first season. Yeah, that's that's true. I think if they did it again and it was still shit, they weren't going to go forward. It'd be like what just happened with the long night one. They said, nah, you know, maybe there's no way to work around how to get this better. But And the argument is also that these guys were unproven. They hadn't done anything really before this and they just fucked it up completely and then they still got a second chance. That's like the argument. And it's it's almost just how did they even get this to begin with? You go back to where their family or what was his dad is he ran what company? Goldman and Sachs. Yeah, David Benioff's dad. Yeah. So he had a plug in and that guy was friends with whoever was in charge of HBO at the time. So he had a plug. That's why definitely it worked out. And so it makes sense why another reason that could be another reason why they got another second chance. Damn, what the fuck? That would probably be way more likely. In my opinion. I see both perspectives though. And then this is the first comment that I think so this account at four Aria went through this thread. And this part to me seemed fishy when I first read it. It was the whole Game of Thrones was an expensive film school comment. The thing that they were talking about was the pilot. They said the whole pilot experience and being a showrunner for the first time, it was like being an expensive film school. The way it was presented on Twitter was that the whole show, all eight seasons, was that way. And I think I get it from their perspective. They said they have never worked with costume designers. And so trying to portray their idea for what they want the costume to look like, they said that was really challenging for them. Yeah. I wonder if the criticism from that comes from just the fact that there's people out there that already paid a lot to go to film school that didn't get a chance at it. Maybe. I don't know. That's the angle that I could see coming from that way. But how many people go to film school, though? I was thinking that it was because the the comment was portrayed as this whole thing for them. All eight seasons, everything was just them testing shit and just getting lucky. But it was more just that first episode, the first pilot, the first couple months where they were trying to figure it out. Because they said that they got better as it as they went on. Yeah, it was more like they were building throughout. You know, each season they were building on what they learned the last season. And they said at the beginning, their show only, their first season or whatever, only had 20 pages of outline. And by the sixth or the eighth season, sorry, which is their shortest season, they had 180 pages. Damn. Maybe that's why their ending sucked. They needed less outlining? Well, I think that they should just outline No, 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 no. I'm not throughout. talking about outlining. I'm talking about maybe their ending sucked because they could develop their season, but they never ended a show before or anything. So they're like, oh, how do we do this? And they just fucking... <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think they didn't know how to end it properly or they should have... I mean, we've talked about this many times. There, there was so many little things that were wrong in that last season to wrap it all up. And they even admitted, didn't they, in the audio that one of the reasons was that they feel they kind of messed up the ending was because they went, went past the source material, right? No, they didn't even try to admit. They said that, okay, they did say one thing. They said... I'm surprised they didn't say that. That's not, they didn't really even comment on the ending at all from what I heard, but they did say that... Someone asked them why they didn't have more writers in there, and they said they didn't know any better. And so that is definitely one thing I think that going through is that they should have brought in another opinion maybe at the end saying, hey, we're really trying to wrap this up. You got to make sure that your ending is written correctly because that was the main problem the last season, not the acting, not the production, any of that was all same crew throughout the whole show. And they were, you know, at the top of their game. But it's just, yeah, get some other opinions, maybe make 
Brian Cogman, who I thought was one of their best writers, probably was their best writer throughout the whole show consistently, make him do more episodes or just bring someone in, someone else that you like as a writer. That's one thing that definitely seems... And and there is the argument too that, yeah, it worked for so long, but it just seems like eventually it was going to blow up on them. And it happened to happen at the worst time, the very end of it all. No, I definitely seem like that too. And it is hard to write endings, especially if you're writing it straight from scratch and not from the source material, because you can just be writing a story and having it go along and it can be good, but it's hard to find a satisfying conclusion to whatever you're writing. Well, and the, the problem is they knew they knew what the ending ending is supposed to be, how all the pieces are supposed to end, but they just needed more time to develop to get it to that point. I mean, just, you know, we've talked about it. Daenerys' arc, she was the hero of the story until two episodes before that. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't very fleshed out. And then fucking Bran is just this boring fool who ends up on the throne. Yeah. Shoot, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we don't need to talk about that part. So we can just keep going on this. This was the other thing that was um, reported really inaccurately too, was that from the Four Arya account, the tweet said two months before the pilot was supposed to air, they started. They were still filming scenes. That was totally incorrect. They had two months still left in production. They were still filming everything. They were still adding stuff. When HBO came to him and said, hey, the episodes are too short. They're clocking in between 39 and 42 minutes. We need 50-minute episodes. That's the standard they need because that's how they sell it in the foreign market and all this other stuff. So, And the problem was is that they did originally, they wrote episodes to be 50 minutes. But the problem is, you know, you go through the show and you say, no, nah, this doesn't work. We're cutting this. Or you start running out of budget. That's kind of what they're running into was issues. So that's why it was short. And then they went back and started adding stuff in. And one of the big critiques is that they never had that episode. They never had the scene where Robert Baratheon and Cersei have that one-on-one and they it's one of the best scenes in the show. They didn't have that originally. And so they added that in. And they said they learned more about their characters as they were going back through. And I think that makes sense. It's a process still. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you talking about the scene where they're in King's Landing and they're talking alone in their um, bedchambers? Mm-hmm. Damn, that's a great scene too. Or not that one. I think I'm thinking of the scene where they are... Is that in their bedchambers? It's before he's dead. Oh, it's where they're talking about why their marriage worked. Yeah, yeah. So where, where did we go wrong? Yeah, yeah. That scene they added in. And that's a scene that they completely wrote from scratch that wasn't in the story. No, I, that wasn't in the story for sure. Yeah, that's not in the book. So it, that shows that they can write good original stuff if they have a story you know, to build around. So there was a lot of critique on that. Yeah, there's a lot of examples of that throughout this story of just them having good dialogue that wasn't in the in the book series. Yeah, like the Battle of the Bastards, that's something they completely made up. All that stuff from then. Hard home as well. For real. So they showed they can do stuff. But then they also have like the Dorn series. Yeah, which is not anywhere near the quality of the book series or the, the book Dorn. Yeah, and that was one of the things they said too in this interview was that when they started the story, they tried to remain as faithful as possible with their characters. And they said every season they started, you know, adding little things that they liked that wasn't in. And it just, little by little, they started get you know, deviating away from the source material. And at one point they said they ran out of it and they said it was an, what was it, amicable divorce? Yeah, amicable divorce. Yeah. And the, the one thing I see that, but I also think that they could have adapted a lot more stuff in those books to not run out in time. You know what I mean? But here we are now in October 2019 and the next book still hasn't been done anyway. True. But there's a lot in the books that they didn't adapt. 
Yeah. That dude, George R. R. Martin's probably just heartbroken too about the ending or something. That's why I can't even, can't even keep going. Nah, he's got this. The ending of the show? For his book fans. <laughs> yeah. He knows we want it. So this was another, this was like the last, I think, big critique. So it was just that we didn't, their comment was, we didn't just want it to appeal to a fanny, fantasy fan base. We wanted them to love it and parents to love it and people who play professional football to love it. We kind of wanted to reach a wider audience. And they were, the reason why they're saying this is because they were talking about their pitch to HBO. Saying when they pitched it, they said it's not all about the creatures. It's, it's about humans and the relationships, even though they knew they were lying. They were telling HBO this because they didn't think that they were going to read the whole pitch that they wrote for them, which was like a 5,000 word pitch or something like that. I didn't think they were going to read it all. Or is it 5,000 pages? That part was kind of hard to understand what they were saying. There's no fucking way it was 5,000 pages. 5,000 words is like 15 pages double space or like 20 pages double space. That's believable. It had to be more than that. That seems like something you'd That's read. That's long. If you're going to throw, throw a, a huge budget at something, you're going to read all 15 pages. Most scripts are like 80 pages, right? Yeah, it had to be a lot longer than that. They were definitely exaggerating a little bit. It was a lot of pages. 5,000 pages. I think that's what he said, but that's probably him exaggerating. You know what I mean? That's like three Stephen King books. Three fat Stephen King books. <laughs> yeah, so basically what they're saying is they threw a lot of their pitch at them, hoping that they wouldn't look all through it and just would say, hey, what we're trying to do is for HBO, like we're trying to make what The Wire was for cop films, Sopranos for gangster stuff, Deadwood for Westerns. We want to do that for fantasy for HBO because HBO had never done a fantasy stuff, especially on this scale. And they compared it to Lord of the Rings, but they said it's humans. It's not going to be a million orcs fighting a million humans. It's going to be humans versus humans mostly. That was their pitch. And that was something that everyone flipped out over online. And I think just as a pitch trying to sell them, that makes sense. Because I think that they still did do a lot of fantasy in the story of dragons, you have white walkers, stuff like that. It's big fantasy elements. Yeah, and they had witches and shit like Melisandre. Yeah, definitely as the season, the shows went on, it felt like it lost a lot of that that was in the original seasons. You know what I mean? When you're still using George R. R. Martin's writing. Yeah. You think HBO nudged them away from that stuff or what? Is that what you're implying? Or? No, I was saying I think they were doing a really good, they were doing pretty good with that for a oh, while. Yeah. And I, I still think they did a pretty decent job with the fantasy, but there's definitely elements you left out from the book, right? But oh, yeah, for sure. It's not, it doesn't make it sound like they were just trying to strip everything out of it, like the quote online was making it seem. No, yeah, that's 100% correct. Yeah. And fantasy is just a hard pitch. It's a hard pitch. And then this was the, okay, this was the last one. The big one for me was the whole, child penis shit <laughs> that they were talking about. What? Yeah. The Craster's baby, the last one to be sacrificed. They got taken out to the White Walker Fortress in the Lands of Always Winter. Luke? Yes. Yeah. So in the tweet, it made it sound like they were really trying to focus on this kid's penis to make it, to prove to the Night King that it's a boy, you know what I mean? Because that's what they need to sacrifice was a boy. But when I was listening, it almost sounded like they were talking about two different stories. One, they were talking about the baby that they put on the ice and they got really scared by the Night King because the Night King touched it and like freaked out. And they just were thinking, they literally said, holy shit, did we just, we just traumatized this kid. <laughs> I said, what the fuck are we doing? That was their quote. But then there was some part too about talking about just controversy with the kid and then I can't remember. It really sounded like there were two different stories and they were talking about an earlier scene with a kid with a baby that scared off a mom because she heard 
Dan talking about how they needed to get a shot of the penis. And then he felt really bad about it because he was trying to explain that it's meant for the Night King to prove that it's a baby boy. Even on that, though, you can imply it's a, a kid. You don't need to get a shot of his dick or anything, you know? I don't know. That's kind of important. There have been other people that have done that, though. Like in The Witch, don't they film babies nude or a baby nude? In the movie The Witch? That movie's whack in a lot of ways, <laughs> probably. The Witch. Oh, whack? I thought you liked it, Zach. Come on. I liked it. It's just a whack movie, man. The opening scene is just... I don't even want to talk about it on, on air. Oh, one thing that I noticed from it was just how they were saying how they write the scripts sounded insane, and I would not want to write them like that. In the beginning, they would just write scripts both sitting right next to each other, and it would be like one person had the right hand of the keyboard and the other person had the left hand of the keyboard. Well, not exactly like that, but metaphorically. Was that a joke? No, they were just saying they were tug-of-warring over their ideas a lot, basically. Oh, I thought they were joking about that. But they did say that they would write one half of the script and the other would write the other half and then they'd switch and rewrite each other's shit. Oh, that's kind of cool. That's what they evolved to, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, that's just whack anyway. (laughs) Why not just have a writer's room and start, you know, pitching ideas? I feel like that's what it sounds like. They use that as a metaphor then. They said they both would write one half of the script, just exchange it between them. And then later on, they would bring in two other people to... Look, look him over after them. Yeah, they brought it. They would either, or they would just assign Brian Cogman an episode and David Hill each. And that was after HBO came to him and said, hey, we want you guys to get more writers. And so they brought in Brian Cogman, who was kind of their assistant. He was like their lore master because he read, he read the Song of Ice and Fire books back to front three or four times. So he knew everything about the story. Hmm. I would agree that I would definitely rather have a writer's room a writer's room where everyone pitches ideas and then one sole writer that would just kind of put everything to to paper and then everyone else would review it yeah i mean it's kind of like so you know we're talking about this lord of the Rings series that's kind of a similar situation right now is that their showrunners and their main writers have never been in a show running position but they have a huge writer's room and they're bringing in people like brian cogman to overlook everything so you have a lot of opinions you know what I mean? So you don't have a complete disaster at the, at the end of your story. <laughs> yeah. You have someone to check you to say, hey, maybe we should go back and look over this and let's not forget about these characters and what they're thinking, dumbing down people and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I like that. I don't I don't like when shows dumb it down. Yeah. Oh, then, okay. This was the absolute last thing that was controversial. And it was that they admitted they didn't try to boil down all the elements from the books and they tried to make it about power and family. That was what they said. The quote, the tweet online said, just power. But I mean, okay, that's kind of what their story is about. What? Yeah, right. the that's the name of the fucking show. The Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's all I got on that. There's more elements in the book, obviously, but it's hard to do everything, the huge scope of the books in a show. And you only have so much money. Yeah, they probably could have went 14 seasons if they included everything from the books. Yeah, that's what George R. R. Martin wanted. He said if it were up to him, it would go 12, 12 seasons at least. That would be nuts. Imagine if they could sustain that long of a show, still be have a high benchmark quality. I mean, if the books got done, they might have been able to. True. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say on that. Yeah, I think that's got it. I'm not, I'm not even defending him, but it was, it was interesting to see the real scope of what they were saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, they definitely still fucked up a lot, but whatever. Okay, so that's it on that story. So next D&D story, this is about the Star Wars trilogy. 
And a bunch of details finally came out about what happened behind the scenes. The first thing that I thought was really interesting about it is that their story was going to explore the origins of the Jedi, which that's way back. That's before Knights of the Republic or anything that we are really familiar with. And I think that's interesting because that would actually work with what they did with Game of Thrones, right? You can almost make it medieval. You could probably even do before lightsabers were made or show how a lightsaber was created, how that get introduced into their culture and their ways. Wait, so this would be back when they were still using proto-sabers? Well, I mean, is that can- that's not canon anymore. I, it could even be before that, is what I'm saying, using swords or something, or the planet that it all originated on, the Order. Viro swords or some shit? Yeah, who knows? So I, I think that's interesting, but it's also, well, they would have no source material, so it's kind of sketchy <laughs> to have these dudes without source material. Yeah, a little bit. They could use legend stuff as inspiration, too. They definitely could. They could ins- they, there's a lot of legends stuff that isn't canon that you could bring back. And it sounded like the plan was that they were supposed to write three and then it was getting down to they were going to write one and then kind of show run the next two movies and have someone that they trust write those, which is what we were talking about. If they did it that way, that's something that they probably could do pretty well. But the problem was obviously they signed that fat deal with Netflix for $250 million. Yeah, that's that deal is massive. I don't know why they signed that. And damn, if I was them, I would I would have gone for Star Wars. But, you know. Well, so what they said, one of the one of the sources that came out is Variety. This one was from Hollywood Reporter, actually. They said that the, one of the reasons why is because they, you know, they just got all this backlash from Game of Thrones. They didn't want to deal with the Star Wars fandom, which is arguably worse. Probably. <laughs> Game of Thrones fans tore him a new one, though. Holy shit. Star Wars could have been bad, though, as well. Fuck. But Star Wars fans, they'll pick apart anything, man. Even if stuff's working, people are unhappy. <laughs> Yeah, dude, because they're all nerds and they're so fucking smart. They'll fuck you up. It has to be, has to be perfect. <laughs> That's what the expectations of Star Wars fans are. Not or like 9 out of 10. Everything has to be like at least 9 out of 10. <laughs> For real. And that's the other thing. It's just a lot of pressure doing Star Wars, whereas they're not going to get $250 million to make Star Wars movies. Yeah, that's true. I would have done the same thing if I just got my ass reamed, you know? Yeah. I would have sat out round two. Yeah. Okay. So more stuff that came out with these reports too. It was just more kind of debunking. So there was the one that D&D, so this is from Hollywood Report, but it's something that D&D have said in the the past that they weren't going to focus on Star Wars until Game of Thrones was done. So there's that whole, oh, they ruined Game of Thrones because of Star Wars. No, they ruined it because they didn't know how to finish that shit properly. Didn't have anything to do with Star Wars. Hey, I'll admit for being wrong for saying that. I've definitely said that once. At least. Yeah, I mean, everyone has... I think most people have said that. Wait, said what? They rushed it because of Star Wars. But if you even think about it, too, the last season of Game of Thrones took two years to come out, right? That's the longest gap in everything. The writing process should have just been longer. I definitely wanted the events of season eight to be broken up into two seasons. Oh, yeah. They should have done... White Walker. The whole White Walker stuff, that should be its own arc. And then the whole wrap-up would be the eighth season. I thought it was perfect just making it a season for every book. Not ninth season. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was the other thing that they debunked in this is that, this is funny because a bunch of people were jumping on this a couple of days ago, is that they got fired from Star Wars the day after the finale aired, which never made any sense because Bob Iger, the president of Disney, he announced them the week that the finale was coming on May 14th that they were going to be the next Star Wars movies for 2022 finale aired on the 19th there's no way that they turn around <laughs> in five days and say okay where well, you guys are out 
maybe they just really didn't like what they saw. But that's the thing is that they were still trying to, the whole this summer with the overall deal with Netflix, Disney was trying to sign them too. Amazon was trying to sign them. Everyone was trying to get these guys. Disney was in contention until mid-July. And the decision wasn't made until August to sign with Netflix. And Netflix didn't even know that they were out of Star Wars until a couple of days before this, all this news broke. The whole thing with Disney and all that, that they were in contention, that, that was reported a couple months ago. So that's why I knew that part couldn't be true because you would not cut someone from Star Wars that you're still trying to sign until then. It wouldn't even make sense. Yeah, I, unless they just really didn't, really had something huge that happened. The report from THR says it's a hard quit, meaning that they have no, they have no interest in going back to Star Wars even after all the Netflix stuff is done in however many years, five years. Dude, they're fucking scared, dude. They're fucking gun-shy. Yeah, I was going to... I know. Back like a couple of the bitches. That was one of the things I wrote down for last pod was I just didn't want them to be mentally fucked up and not work on anything again. They're definitely mentally fucked up. Because they definitely have the ability to make good content in certain situations. Yeah, with that source material. I, yeah, I just want them... I'd rather have them take all the criticism and actually take it and learn from it rather than just kind of hide from it. Mm. Yeah, that was one of the things too is in the their panel, they admitted that they didn't listen to any feedback, which why sometimes you probably should. Well, I, I was saying that sometimes you should, but I also get if you don't because George R. R. Martin, for example, he doesn't listen to fan feedback because he gets worried that it's going to change what he wants to do with his story. You know what I mean? That he's trying to set out to do. Yeah, that's different. That's more like, his own thing that he just sits down and he writes all at once and nobody gets to see it till the end. So it's, well, then I guess there's different books, but it's still like his own thing, like his own story he already had in his head. I was just saying the mentality is this, it could be this. If George R. R. Martin doesn't yep. listen to the feedback, fucking, then he would have those books done by now. Think so? Dude, duh. He's obviously chipping about it. And everything that's gone on in the show, dude, he definitely reads shit online. He has to. Oh, no. 100% he does. He's a blog. I think he definitely read feedback on the show, and I, I bet it, it fucked with his head. Oh, I mean, yeah. Subconsciously, it would be in his mind. So, yeah. Just because it's his masterpiece that didn't end how it should have. And that's the perception people are probably going to have is the show, and they're not going to maybe read the book and see how he's going to do it to get to that point, to get to where it ends. But he also has his own quality control standards, too. So that, that might be why. And he has a lot of projects going on, too. I mean, he's trying to do all these shows and that sci-fi bullshit that he did last year, too. Even He has, he has way too much stuff. What is it called? Shutterfly or? Night Flyers, I think. It got canceled after one season. I'm not trying to disrespect the GOAT, but he has a lot of stuff. And he probably should just try to finish, you know, his most important story. I don't know if he's the GOAT, Bill. Jesus. The GOAT what? He's just a goat. Man, he's all right. He's all right, guy. Don't disrespect him. Fuck him, dude. Can't even finish his own story. <laughs> Can't be in goat status. That'd be like getting to the championship but never winning. Hey, Luke, at least he started a story. Okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Shut up, Ross. Luke's hot take. I like it. I like the hot take. It's true, though. I mean, he hasn't finished his story. He's got to finish that shit. It's for real. Last thing on the whole Star Wars stuff with this story. So it came out too. There was that controversy. Maybe Kathleen Kennedy's going to leave. Kevin Feige's coming in. The report says that her job is safe, which kind of seems crazy just with how often people come in and out. Everyone she hires, it seems like something happens with them, except for Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams. Actually, that one's been pretty smooth, but everyone else that's been hired, you come in, someone gets fired 
people are getting fired mid-production. Gareth Edwards, who directed Rogue One, they had someone come in and finish the movie for him. They kind of locked him out of reshoots. There's been a lot of stuff going on. Same with Howard Shore and Solo. Or not Howard. Yeah, Lord Miller. No, wasn't it Ron Howard? Ron Howard came in and finished the movie after Lord Miller were 70% done with the film. Not Howard Shore. He's a composer. It was Ron Howard. That's what you were saying. Yeah, that's just another situation, though, where it's just... That one, I felt like, though, from hearing is that they were they were improvising a lot. And that's that was another thing that came out in the report with THR is that she is very controlling, I guess. Someone will come up with a new idea and she's, she shuts them down a lot, even though when she hires these people, she says they're going to get some sort of creative control. And I think that's going to be a problem going forward because right now, no one knows what the next Star Wars movie is going to be. This The D&D ones were supposed to be next. And you're going to scare off creators like big time creators, you know, like someone like Christopher Nolan, who is a Star Wars fan, he's never going to go to this because he'd want to do it his way. And if he has to get controlled, that's a turnoff for big time guys or girls, anyone. That's a good point, Billy. Damn, I didn't know Christopher Nolan was a Star Wars fan. Yeah, him and his brother used to just reenact stuff, I guess, when they were kids, film stuff. Him and Jonathan. That's hilarious. That's what I used to do when I was a kid too. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, right now you have Ryan Johnson, his trilogy still up. He split the whole fandom. So this it, is, and you got Kevin Feige, but he's not going to do anything with Star Wars until 2022 at least. That guy's booked out. He's trying to do 30 MCU projects right now. We'll see though. They might get him. They might get his ass. He's making, producing three or four Marvel movies a year yeah. until then. So he, he's pretty busy, dude. Oh, wow. He's a busy guy. Because the MCU is at this turn now. You just had your big story wrap up. You have to try to build that hype again for something, you know? He's in a he's in an interesting spot too right now. What, with his job, you're saying? I was just saying with the MCU, it's an interesting point because Iron Man's out. Captain America's out. You have to start building up towards something big, some sort of big event, you know what I mean, like 10 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you got to start that now. And who knows, maybe the MCU hype might go down a little bit just because you just had Endgame. Yeah. You lose RDJ, Chris Evans. And they just made him the MCU CEO, yeah. right? So and he's, he's busy. Yeah, we'll see how all that shit goes, honestly. Okay, so that's it. There was one little thing I wanted to ask you guys. It's a theory thing. So this is for The Mandalorian. This week it came out that there's a huge Star Wars world spoiler that's going to happen at the beginning of the first episode. That's why they're not screening it for critics, for reviews, apparently. Wait, Star Wars world in Disneyland? In the world of Star Wars. I was like, I don't really give a shit about that. but <laughs> <laughs> No, fuck that, fuck that shit. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was going to ask that, what would your theory be that this is something... I assume it's going to be for a character that we either think is alive or dead. What, like Boba Fett? Yeah, that's that's what I think it could be. Probably Boba Fett, yeah. Reveal if he's alive. Technically, he's still alive in canon. He's kind of in limbo. It's, they haven't either, they haven't confirmed nor denied. That's true. There was that Boba Fett movie that was going to be in development a couple of years ago with James Mangold, who directed Logan. But that got canned for The Mandalorian because they didn't want to do two Mandalorian stories. Dude, or maybe do you think it's going to introduce the Emperor and show where he's been? This whole time with, with the First Order. Yeah, that could be it too. Could introduce the Emperor for episode nine. That could be it. That's that's your theory? Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Luke, you have to drop a theory right now. I told you with the phone. Boba. Boba. Crawling out of the Starlight Pit. All right. Yeah, that, that's it, boys. That's all we got. Yeah. Luke, say something crazy right now so I can put it in the pod. Tasmanian <laughs> <laughs> <a> devil. <laughs> that was pretty good. So that's all we got. Follow us on Twitter at Not a Movie Pod at Culture Crave. 
drop us a review. Our next pod will do Watchmen episode three. If you haven't watched that, go catch up. We did two reviews on the past two episodes. All right, is that it, boys? Yep. Yes, sir. <laughs> Later. All right, we out of here. Peace.